Hi, this is Malayan Verveer. And this is Kim Azzarelli. We are co-authors of the book, Fast Forward, How Women Can Achieve Power and Purpose. And you're listening to Seneca Women, Conversations on Power and Purpose, a podcast brought to you by Seneca Women. I was the first woman chosen to be a justice on the United States Supreme Court. It took 191 years for that to happen from the start of our effective constitution. That's a long time to wait. But thank goodness the barrier was broken and a very great honor. But it was quite a responsibility because if I didn't do the job well enough, it might take more than 191 years to get the next woman on the court. Welcome to Seneca Women, Conversations on Power and Purpose. I'm Kim Azzarelli, and we just heard audio from the incredible Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. Justice O'Connor is so important to me for so many reasons. She has been an incredible inspiration for so many women in the law. And for me personally, she was really instrumental in helping me with the Center for Women in Justice at Cornell. Of course, she was the first woman on the Supreme Court. She had an incredible legal career at a time when few women did. And she forever carries this legacy, and she carries it so well. But now all that to say that Justice O'Connor considers one of her greatest legacies the invention of a video game. So joining me today is Executive Director of iCivics, Louise Dubay. Welcome, Louise. Kim, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So let me start with a very basic question. What is iCivics? iCivics is the largest civic education site in the country. We teach students all the way from fourth grade to 12th grade about how our government works. Uh, so what we do primarily, we are known for our games. We have 20 games in which students can play and either win or lose. And all the games are around some principles of our constitution, you know, the judiciary, for example, or um, our electional uh, system or the uh, presidency or so on and so forth. Why are the games so captivating and, and what do they do? The games essentially replicate the way that our government works uh, in a way that you couldn't do in the classroom without them. So kids usually work together on a game. They range uh, from uh, running your own election uh, to being the president of the United States. So all uh, different kinds of processes uh, that may seem really foreign to students, but actually when you put them in the center of that process, it actually starts to take on a meaning. Do you also learn about civic discourse and how to have positive conversations? Because we're living in this world which where politics can become so divisive. And so I think this tool that you have of iCivics is, is a powerful way to teach uh, bridge building and compromise. How does that work? So the game is is uh, an experience. Uh, it's enjoyable and you learn a lot of skills. But the beauty is in managing a conversation after with the students. So a lot of issues get talked about in the game. The students will talk about those issues and they will be talking about things that happen in the real world and they will bring in these controversial issues. And so that process of coming to understand how somebody else, another student thinks a different way, uh, very important. And so obviously we're in the 
beginning of a big, big election year. So what is iCivics doing this year in particular? Uh, we've come out with a brand new Win the White House. It is in Spanish now, uh, the influence of Justice Sotomayor, who's now on our board. And the justice really wanted us to make a, a commitment to say that all students need to have access to this information. It is uh, has a whole new set of issues. Issues have been reviewed by a bipartisan panel of experts, and so that we can ensure balance and bipartisanship in the way we present the issues. We have also come out with a whole new game, a revised Cast Your Vote. Now it has a whole story about a mayoral election and what the process is that a citizen of our country should go to select a candidate. Uh, we're really, really excited about uh, all of the materials that we have for the election this year. I remember when I had first heard about iCivics, I was trying to put it all together and I, and I asked Justice O'Connor, well, why a video game? And I remember her clearly saying that they had con they had uh, hosted an entire summit around civic participation and how she could, after stepping down from the Supreme Court, continue to support our democracy in ways that she felt was meaningful. And at the end of sort of all these very influential folks coming together, they realized that what really needed to happen was kids needed to understand the basics of civic participation. And what better way to reach them, she said, was to meet them where they were, which was in front of video games. And so this idea that a, you know, an 80-something-year-old retired Supreme Court justice would spend her post-court years designing video games for me was unbelievable. And I very much remember the day that I went with her, actually, when she chaired the Games for Change conference in the village in New York City. You know, so you have this incredible, you know, icon, Supreme Court justice showing up to this kind of video game conference. Um, and it was powerful. I wanted to teach young people in America how they can be part of the governmental structure and help decide what problems to tackle and how to solve them. And so I started this network of um, the idea of forming in every state an iCivics program to teach young people uh, the concept of being involved in helping government reach decisions. And how to be involved, how to make that happen, was my effort. And the schools are using it. We teach primarily by having games on there that young people play. And in the process, they learn what we're hoping to have them learn, which is how to be a citizen who makes things happen. And uh, it's been very successful. It's working. And she wanted it to reach all 50 states, ultimately, and I know you've been working hard at that. How many states are you in now? All 50 states. And all right. she kept asking me that uh, originally. <laughs> and then uh, we are now, we look like a map of education system in America. We are overly represented in low-income schools, Title I schools, and in rural districts that don't have access to other forms of simulations, uh, which has been proven to help students understand how our systems work better. So do you find that children are excited about learning about civics, or is it a chore that you then convert them to be excited about? Oh, I think now, uh, particularly now in the last uh, few years where current events is uh, all over, uh, there's an incredible interest and demand on the part of um, of teachers and students. And it, it is really uh, framed around these current events, and they're trying to understand how it works. 
the point is that it is now relevant to the students' lives, and that is how you get students excited. They have to understand why this matters. And there's never really been a moment in history, I would think, where you have current events so infused in the daily life of children. Um, I think perhaps iCivics is even more important than ever for them to make sense of the world around them and what's going on. Absolutely. We need to make sure that young people are trained and understand how it works and that we have a process. And then they can take it up only if we as adults take up our responsibility to teach them and to prepare them for civic engagement. I recall when Justice O'Connor first told me about this and when I first learned about iCivics back in 2009, she had said that she was dismayed that children could name all of the judges on American Idol, but could not name the justices on the Supreme Court. And that civic education, really just understanding the three branches of government, was not something that was required anymore. Can you tell us about the state of civic education uh, in this country? What's happened is that over decades during uh, the Common Core era where we focused on basic literacy uh, in math and language, we've seen a decrease in social studies and the time allocated in the classroom and in an era of accountability when there's very little accountability for social studies, civics and social studies have been uh, put to the wayside. And what's at risk? Why does this matter? A couple things. Uh, One is that uh, the situation is now so bleak that our students are proficient only about 23%. What is important is for students to know how to solve problems for our country. They have to actually understand how it works. They have to have the skills to be able to participate. They have to have the disposition to agree to disagree or to find compromise. And then they have to be motivated for service. We need to teach young people that they're going to grow up and be in charge. They're going to be making these decisions as adults in what we do as a nation, what we do as a city, what we do as a county. They are going to be doing that. And you have to learn how to be involved and what works and what doesn't work and get them interested as youngsters. They'll follow up as adults. So I want to go back to uh, what life was like for you with Justice O'Connor. So she wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal in 2015 where she says, Civic education cannot be an afterthought. Citizenship is a skill that must be taught over time with the same devotion we give to reading, math, and the pursuit of scientific knowledge. We believe that it should be taught alongside and integrated with these subjects. So for our listeners, can you describe her passion for civics? Oh, it, it, it had knew no bounds. <laughs> um, the devotion that she had to service to our country, that's where it comes from, right? This idea that you must be of service, you must help make things better, that is all for a purpose. <laughs> and that purpose was really this idea that you could advance this country by get, being of service. If you came into this with that mentality, you would get more done. And I do think that that is what she was trying to convey to our uh, students in our country, this idea of balance, this idea of compromise, and this idea of purpose beyond yourself and of service. So uh, Justice O'Connor was uh, devoted to that idea, and, and that is the legacy we try to fulfill every day. You also have another personal connection with women judges. Tell us about your mom. 
Uh, my mother was the second woman on the Supreme Court of Canada. And I felt and I continue to feel I have an obligation to serve those women and uh, to pay back uh, what they've done for us. It, people often do not understand the level of sacrifice that that has meant. None of them speak about the personal sacrifice that it took. And I think we have to recognize that there is a legacy and that we have to celebrate our forebears. So true. They broke so many barriers for women, and we really have to celebrate that. The United States has taken great strides in opening opportunities and doors for women. And it, of course, is my hope that the same thing is happening in every nation around the world. It is and has in many nations already, and in others it's been a little slower to come. But over time, I think we can expect every nation to welcome working women and women in all fields of endeavor. Uh, it's very important that we do that. After all, about half the population happen to be female, so we need to take care of that half too, don't we? Well, Louise, in 2015, you and I uh, had the chance to sort of, I feel, be part of witnessing history in some way. And we came together to pay tribute to Justice O'Connor and really the legacy of O'Connor. But a big emphasis that day was on iCivics and really what that legacy could look like uh, for children and for our future Americans. But what was amazing to me was to see all four women who had sat on the Supreme Court come together, which they very rarely do to really pay tribute to this incredible woman's life. So for me, it was really uh, an awe-inspiring moment. Uh, the fact that they were willing to take time and be with us for so long, uh, it really speaks to how much Justice O'Connor inspired each one of them. It was such a special day. And really, like you say, this is a moment in history. It's a, this idea, which I, I think uh, is one that uh, you have a personal connection to, but that women inspire other women uh, and that uh, we owe uh, women a forward, as you say, uh, was in display in, in that day. Yeah, it was amazing to see Justice Ginsburg represent, uh, and, and, and that's how it was presented to us, that she would be representing um, the ideas of both Justice Sotomayor and Justice Kagan. Um, and when she took the podium, you know, obviously there was just complete stillness in the room uh, to see her go up there and pay such a heartfelt tribute to Justice O'Connor. But the relationship between the women on the Supreme Court was in full display that day. And I just I get goosebumps just thinking about it. And that connection is kind of the fundamental base on which we all sort of stand. And for women in the law, it was a resounding sight and something I probably won't forget. I think that what was great about that event is uh, both the focus on her early years, the focus of her legal career, and then the focus after and the through line. And that through line was about service, and that through line was about connections and women helping each other. And all of that came together. And I, I would only hope that uh, young girls would would find a message for them in that story of how your own personal experience connects to your own work, but also to that purpose that's beyond you. I think that's what gives meaning to a life. And certainly uh, Justice O'Connor has a, a beautiful life and a beautiful legacy as a result. And iCivics is really the embodiment of that. Well, that, to me, really summarizes Justice O'Connor and the level of service that she wanted to devote her life to 
was pretty remarkable. And I, I guess it was somewhat recently that she decided to go public with the fact that she had developed dementia, possibly Alzheimer's. And I found that such a beautiful and so Justice O'Connor thing to do, right? She takes her platform. And even in that hardest moment um, where most people would want to retreat, she comes forward and uses uh, you know, her own illness as service to the country and to put a spotlight on what's going on. And it was just, to me, so profound and just so totally in line with who she is. To her core, everything about her is about service. So I think that's incredible. Yeah, and, and I think it speaks a little bit to that generation of women mm. and the fact that they were always striving to do more because that's what it took to get to where they went. Uh, and uh, I found that with Justice O'Connor also. Same idea, uh, Louise, how could we do more? How could we get more kids? How could we ha touch every single student in the country? And we know that Justice O'Connor is not afraid of hard work, but there was something different about the kind of just do more to do more that we see in today's world. I feel like they are instilled with something different. Um, and obviously, iCivics is the incredible testament to that. So tell our listeners what we can do to better support iCivics. iCivics is a completely free platform, and we serve million, millions of students, obviously. Uh, what, what we need, we need financial support. And that is very important. If you care about our democracy and the health and an investment in generation after generation, please go to iCivics.org and help us out. And whether you're an individual who wants to make, you know, a small contribution, every contribution counts, or whether you're an organization that wants to bring your uh, company or your foundation to partner with iCivics, please do reach out and you can go to iCivics.org or you can come to us at SenecaWomen.com and we'd be happy to introduce you to Louise. Thank you, Louise. Thank you so much, Kim. I hope that iCivics will be a standard part of the education program for young people in all 50 states. It's so effective and it matters because what it works on is teaching young people how they can be in charge of what they're going to learn about and they can help make it effective. And so there couldn't be anything that we care more about than educating our young people. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Louise Dubay. And it is always so incredible to hear the voice of Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. For more information about iCivics, visit iCivics.org. My top takeaways? First, as Justice O'Connor reminds us, civic participation is more important than ever, and it starts with young people. Teaching children about civic discourse and how to have positive conversations sets up the next generation with the tools they need to succeed. Second, Justice O'Connor's life reminds us of the power of being first. As the first woman on the U.S. Supreme Court, Justice O'Connor broke barriers for women in the law, for women in the judiciary, and frankly, for women around the world. Lastly, Justice O'Connor is an incredible example of using your power for purpose. Her impact extends well beyond the law, across boundaries and generations, as is evidenced by iCivics. For us at Seneca Women, Justice O'Connor is a beautiful, powerful example of living a life of service and purpose. You're listening to Seneca Women, Conversations on Power and Purpose, a podcast brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, tell your friends, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. For more information on Seneca Women, follow us on social media, visit our website, and check out the Seneca Women app 
free in the App Store. Have a great week.